Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast, episode 85, the one about badjectives, the Artemis moon rocket, and more on the Rings of Power. Let's get on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. As always, we're here to keep you up to date with the latest news, tech, content, and wisdom from the world of marketing. And as always, I'm joined by a man who is on a mission to demystify digital marketing all the way from France. He's the host of the Content Marketing Studio video podcast. Please welcome Monsieur Pascal Fintoni. Well, thank you so much for the introduction. And of course, it is an immense pleasure to spend more time with a man who was also on a mission to keep marketing simple, the voice of the marketing and finance podcast and the host of the Roger Rock video series. I give you Monsieur Roger Edwards. So Pascal, episode 85. 85, yes. You know, it feels very special. And also a return to the weekly recordings after a bit of a summer break where we went fortnightly. And I just can't wait. Absolutely. And today we are going to be talking again about the rings of power in film yes. marketing. As good luck would have it, we are recording the day of the global release. So literally in some territories when you know, to them it was maybe the evening or the morning, they've been able to watch the first two episodes. So we talked about the marketing campaign up to February 2022. And we're going to pick it up and run all the way to today. Absolutely. And and actually, there's been so much marketing associated with this um, series, hasn't there? We had enough to fill half an hour's chat six months ago, and we're probably going to have enough to fill half an hour's chat today as you update us on what we have seen from this marketing campaign. But we've got a lot to get through, Pascal, before we get to the film marketing section. So shall we start, as we always do, with In The News? And we begin with news from Lidl, who has written to suppliers to tell them that, where possible, it would start selling fruit and vegetables stunted by drought to help farmers and to reduce wood waste. Quorn agrees to collaborate with a creator after being accused of ripping off his song to promote the launch of Unicorn's vegan nugget range. Wow, well that's part of its Spirit of London campaign. Beef Eater Gin has built a life-size tube carriage at a London festival offering a silent disco experience called the Underground of Sound. British Gas is to contribute 10% of its profits towards customers struggling with their spiralling energy bills, with thousands of households to, re to receive grants of between £250 and £750. Now the Data Marketing Association, DME, is launching boot camps in UK cities to help aspiring and current marketers to upskill or reskill in some of the most sought-after areas within the marketing industry. Burger King is running a one-day campaign in the UK today in which fans of its flagship Whopper Burger can try either of its meat-free alternatives for free. Customers can swap their Whopper for a plant-based Whopper or a vegan Royale. Now, Marketing Week is reminding us that this year marks half a century since the Andrex puppy first bounded onto TV screens and took its place as one of the UK's most recognisable and lovable brand characters. Snap is poised to substantially lower its marketing investment to focus on accelerating organic community growth and efficient advertiser acquisition as the company searches for profitability, which I guess suggests that Snapchat isn't perhaps as profitable as people thought it might have been. 
Yeah, and you know what, what is interesting about uh, Snapchat? Now, to, to begin with, you and I are very much in favor of competition. We need choice. We need more than the usual suspect when it comes to social network. But we've always said that, you know, they've had difficulty in claiming their space. You know, the the, the messaging and, and the positioning has always been a little odd. And maybe that's the impact of that. Indeed. And, and I can, can you remember all those times when Gary Vaynerchuk was going on about everybody needs to be on Snapchat, everybody needs to invest in Snapchat, everybody needs to just take over Snapchat. And actually, you don't really hear much about Snapchat anymore. I hear a lot more about TikTok than I hear about Snapchat. And I suppose, it, ironically, Snapchat was the ones that started this whole sort of um, portrait video clips isn't it? and stories and all of that sort of thing. And they're the ones who are perhaps struggling the most. It just shows how ruthless the world of business is because to be the first entrant you know, into a market or a, a discipline doesn't guarantee you're going to maintain that pull position. Uh, for me, I think where they, they perhaps um, got it wrong, do you remember there was such an air of mystery about using Snapchat? You know, you, you had to almost spend entire evenings trying to investigate yeah. <laughs> how to use it. It, it just wasn't easy. I, I don't think, like TikTok, for example, which you mentioned, or any of the others, they've gone as far in terms of educating, in terms of or making things clear and 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 maybe once again has been part and parcel of their loss in in market share i think you're absolutely right with that it was a very tricky interface to get used to wasn't it so pascal do you like puppies oh my goodness you know uh, the we are a family of dog lovers don't get me wrong when i was younger in my parents house there was dogs cats guinea pigs uh, birds uh, fishes and so on but dogs, oh my goodness, we absolutely adore them. And, you know, I'm told, maybe this is urban legend, that this was just a, a one-off experiment. They had no idea that the nation then, you know, the world would love that puppy so much. Absolutely. It was exactly as you say. It was, it was intended to be a one-off, and it's almost become one of the most... <laughs> you know, it's the, one of the longest marketing campaigns ever using the Andrex puppy. I mean, we've seen adverts with a single puppy running away with the toilet paper with somebody sat on the toilet. I mean, how how sexy is that? And and then other adverts with loads of puppies. I mean, it, it's just got the adorability factor, but it's also become so utterly recognisable as the Andrex brand that they, you know, there was a few years ago, wasn't there, when they made a catastrophic mistake of actually changing to computer generated puppies. And uh. there was an absolute <laughs> massive outcry from everybody. And they obviously quickly, sensibly backtracked and started using real puppies again. And uh, it, it's for me, Andrex is one of those lessons that actually, if you've got a good, campaign and a good brand image you don't have to change it that often because it will become recognizable and it will become almost part of the um the, the psyche that people have and the, and how they associate it with you so you know sometimes if it's working stick with it don't change it yeah, what I will say is that my dogs never managed to do it as well and skillfully as the Androx puppy. When they did manage to sneak into the toilet, they would shred the toilet paper into small pieces and we would come back from work or from shopping with just a mound of, you know, bits of paper all over the house. So, yeah, that's my memory of in my Jack Russell's, um, I think you need to have 
it was a Labrador puppy, if I'm not mistaken, the Endorex puppy. It was, yeah. And actually, mm -hmm. just thinking about it, I wonder over the years how many puppies they've actually used. They must they must have a a, a friendly puppy farm that just supplies all of these uh, these baby Labradors. Yeah. Now, are you a Burger King fan, Pascal? I will confess, it's been uh, quite some time since I've been to a fast food chain, but I find their their food to be nicer, taste-wise, but also in terms of the, the way it's presented and so on, much nicer than the other one. Yeah, I've <laughs> always, I've always, I, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of fast food burgers, I have to say. You know, I prefer Sizzler's Burger Van down at Fisher O'Harbour than, uh, than, than a Whopper from Burger King or, as you say, from the other place. But if I do have to have um, fast food burger, then, yeah, Burger King tends to be the one that I would go for. But, of course, plant-based is big business these days, and it is interesting to see them doing this, you know, offering you to swap a Whopper for a plant-based Whopper mm. or a Vegan Royale. I just think how how the um, Pulp Fiction conversation in the car would have gone <laughs> 20 years ago if we'd, you know, is it, what's, 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 a, what's a vegan burger in France? Yeah, yeah. Vegan Royale, Royale with cheese vegan. Yeah, it doesn't have the same, the same ring to it. And I guess the one that I finally wanted to talk about, and just because it sounds interesting, was the, the Beef Eater Gin mm. campaign effectively creating an underground carriage at the, the, at the festival, but it's it's creating this silent disco experience where people can go in and listen to sounds. And I guess a silent disco is where you put on headphones Correct, and you listen yeah. to the music and you're dancing around and everybody looks at you and thinks you look absolutely mad because they can't actually hear the music. But of course it's absolutely pounding in your eardrums. Uh, I, I just love those sort of experience based marketing campaigns and this sort of thing you know i've seen a lot of it recently now that the edinburgh festival's back there was so much experience-based stuff going on the atmosphere on the streets was just incredible and this sort of thing really fits in well for me it was also clearly the the sign that the the outdoor experience is back on after yes but a part of two years of being asked to keep indoors or keep away from people yeah and so so i think it's back to this idea of you know the the sound experience so wearing the the headphones and what they were doing is um called the underground of sound the the carriage would allegedly travel across london you would hear in your headphone you know a um a station being called out mm. and and this the music would change just you know, in line with that lo locality, so it could be more funky, could be more reggae, could be be more obviously a, a British pop and that kind of things. And but they went all the way to creating that that environment of of the carriage for people to kind of step into. And that takes me back to what we used to do in the eighties and nineties. You know, my line, my life in marketing, and as much as people will know by now that I am a digital marketer first. I do, you know, salute, you know, those efforts of creating a, a physical experience to say. Absolutely right. So yeah, it's so good to see outdoor stuff back, isn't it, Pascal? You're walking around and you can see people having fun, especially in some of the amazing hot sunny weather we've been recently mm -hmm. having. So I think it's time to slow things down. Great news items as always, and we could have talked about all of them as always, but let's slow things down. Let's focus the spotlight on some really great content that you and I have discovered. Let's move on to content spotlights. 
In this part of the show, Pascal and I bring to the table a piece of content that we have discovered. Now, it could be an article, could be a podcast, could be a video. Pascal, tell me, what have you got for us this week? Well, I think this is a first for the content spotlight. I've got an entire website for you <laughs> and our viewers and, and listeners. Now, at the time of recording, we're merely hours, if not days away from an historical event, even a scientific event. We are going back to the moon, Roger. Mm. NASA and the Artemis program are looking to for phase one of sending, as you know, a, um, a, a kind of space shuttle to orbit the moon and come back to the Earth. The program is called Artemis. And I was, like many others around the world, live on YouTube, literally edge of the seat stuff, waiting for the takeoff of the, the space shuttle, which had to be cancelled due to technical problems. I mean, it was almost like uh, the best uh, action movies, you know, where you're kind of waiting, waiting, and suddenly you have to wait. And, and we're told that um, they're hoping, weather permitting, that they'll be trying again on Saturday the 3rd of um, September. Mm. So all of us were on, on well, all of us, I mean, many people were on, on YouTube Live, they were also watching on social media. And what was exceptional really, Roger, is that you would hear live the voice of Daryl Nail, the NASA launch commentator. And you, you had that unmistakable sound of someone new wearing the headset with a mouthpiece, maybe slightly too close to their mouths, and, and you were listening intently at the countdown and so on. And then we heard the word, oh, this is a scrub, you know. And <laughs> honestly, I was, I was almost like distraught for them. But whilst I was waiting, of course, for the launch to take place, I went online, went on the NASA website, and by pure accident, I came across a great website, which I think is a good example for all of us to kind of draw experience from and, and, and examples from, which is the landing page, <laughs> literally, of the Artemis program within the very, very, very busy NASA.gov website. So I've kind of coined this section, Artemis, why we are going to the moon. And the gentleman in charge of the team looking after this website is called Brian Dunbar. And he's uh, the internet services manager for NASA and is working with his colleagues on this website. And, and the reason why I wanted to point it out is, I mean, literally, this is rocket science. <laughs> and it is very complicated. It is very complex. The NASA.gov website is just this... Um, uh, there's such an abundance of content. What they've done under the special stab, they've created a much leaner, a much calmer, and um, I would say quieter environment. And you are the man in charge of simplicity in mm. Scotland, in the mm. UK, and the rest of the world. And I just wanted to point it out to you, but also to our viewers and listeners, that if you have a product, if you have a service that is part and parcel of the overall message, maybe it is worthy of its own dedicated section where you can say and express yourself very differently. So you have why we are going to the moon and you, you have a short video and then you have some photography and some very, very simple short sentences that explain why you, we are going to the moon. Next, how we are going to the moon. 
and then they explain things in details and it's just fascinating because in fact the plan is to have um, in future this kind of um, mini station orbiting the moon um, on a regular basis people can then join this to then be taken down to the moon where there would be a base camp so the plan is all the time to use the moon um, with a base camp very much like in space 1999 i hope that what happened in that series doesn't happen to them yeah. but here's the point this is just essentially to be able to then move on to mars it's this just, is it, all it, fantastic isn't it absolutely incredible now as you scroll down this incredibly um, simple yet very informative page i discovered something that i've not seen for a very very long time they actually describe and literally explain why the logo looks the way it does and the artemis program has its own kind of brand if you will if you can imagine that at the bottom you have the term artemis by the way artemis people will know is a twin sister of, of apollo so mm -hmm. that makes sense then you have this kind of moon crescent almost kind of covering the word Artemis, which is meant to represent the Earth. Then you've got the letter, the letter A without the horizontal kind of bar, which is meant to represent the arrowhead used by Artemis, usually represented with bow and arrows. You've got then this swoop of line between the blue of the Earth and just on the kind of top right corner of the um, arrowhead, you've got the symbol of the moon, kind of half a moon in, in gray. And what is fascinating for kind of um, space exploration historian is that the swoop from the Earth to the moon is going from left to right, which is the opposite way of the Apollo um, mission symbol, which used to go from um, the, the other way. So you've got the logo that's been described and the, all the logic that they've gone through. And I've not seen this done for a very, very long time. And I'm thinking, huh, I wonder if this is also something we should do because we all go ahead and create an identity. Sometimes it could be for the company. Sometimes it could be for the program or the product, as is the case there for Artemis. But do we spend time to explain to our audience the choices we've made and some of the history behind it? This is fascinating. I have, to, I have to put my hands up, Pascal. I wasn't really aware that this was even happening until you pointed it out. But I, you're right, when you dive into it and look at what they've, what they've done and the way that they've communicated each step of the way, it really is fascinating. It is, it is an absolute rabbit hole, this, this website, isn't it? There's so much in there to, to absorb and to, and to look at. And I guess, you know, in the world we're living in at the moment, there's quite a lot of negativities. You know, we've, we've got the unfortunate um, situation um, in the Ukraine, Russia, etc. you know, politics going mad all over the world and everybody is feeling a little bit down but this is taking us right back to that sort of pioneering human spirit isn't it exploration um, exploration of space moving on it, 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 there's just something epic about it and i think we need epic at the moment don't we pascal we do and i do believe i don't think that's being too romantic about it that those types of endeavors will bring nations together Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that's the whole point. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, I mean, by the time we publish this episode, I think, you know, the Artemis phase one will have been a success and they've done all, all the tests they, they would want to. Artemis two would be when they send people back to the moon. Can you imagine, Roger? That's 2024. And then Artemis phase three is when we have a base on the moon. Incredible stuff. Now, I'm wondering how I'm going to follow you with, uh, with I mean, that is just, in, as I say, 
it's epic. Now, what I'm going to talk about isn't epic, but it is incredibly simple. And you've already said, I'm the king of simplicity. I have this mission to create simplicity and help people with simplicity. So I'm going to go right into one of those articles, which on the face of it, when you read it, you think, well, that's the bleeding obvious, isn't it? But it's one of those articles that has to be the bleeding obvious because it has to wake us up and it has to make us realize that sometimes we're not communicating very well. Now, this article is called Improve Communication by Avoiding Badjectives. Badjectives. And it says, be specific and concise with your language to avoid miscommunication. It's by Joel Schwartzberg in Inc. Magazine. And Inc. Magazine probably is probably one of the sources of the majority of content spotlights that we featured over the uh, course of 85 episodes of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. It'd be interesting to find out about whether that's the case, but Inc. Magazine certainly comes up quite a lot. Now, effectively, what... Um, what Joel is saying is that we have lapsed into just using very boring words. And when I read this article, I sort of thought, oh, I, I don't do that. Uh, but I watched a few of my own Rogvlog videos, and then I started noticing it on other creators' videos. And we're all doing this. We're starting to use these things that he calls adjectives. And it's words like great, amazing, terrific, innovative. Oh, there's one of the ones that I've always uh, rallied against and very good. So, you know, you, you go to a Burger King, you have a Whopper. Somebody says, how's your Whopper, Pascal? And you say, oh, that's amazing. Well, that's fine. It's communicating. It's, you, you're obviously enjoying the Whopper, but let's face it. What does amazing actually mean? And if you go onto Twitter and look at tweets people are putting out, if you look at marketing communications, especially short marketing communications, we're all using these adjectives. Amazing, terrific, great, um, world-beating, that sort of thing. And all Joel is doing is saying, no, stop it. Let's start to use proper language again and actually tell people what is great, what is amazing, what is powerful. and you know, in a business sense, you could you could try to replace things like amazing and good and that with unprecedented or efficient, life-saving, profitable, that sort of thing. But in general language, when we're all talking, we can start to think of different things. And, and really, the rest of the article is just using examples. So, for example, he says, a boss might say, great job, Lisa. But wouldn't it be better if you said, wow, Lisa, the new market you discovered could result in an entirely new revenue stream. See what I'm saying? Then this one, the campaign will have an amazing impact. I invite you to join us, but why not say this campaign will make healthcare more accessible and affordable? Another example, I believe our marketing strategy is weak versus I believe our marketing strategy focuses too much on product benefits and not enough on customer needs. So, what is inviting you to do is if you find yourself using a word like amazing or great, you've got to stop yourself and you've got to say, why is it great? Why is it amazing? And then use those words to put your point across. So why is that whopper amazing, Pascal? Because it's got that fabulous meaty patty, which just tastes so well seasoned and it's smothered in tomato ketchup and uh, ranch sauce. That's so much better than saying it's amazing. 
Now, I did tell you that this was the bleeding obvious, and it is the bleeding obvious, but how many times, ask yourself, people listening to the show, people watching the show, how many times do you use the word amazing or great or something like that? Let's start to be specific, and our communications will pop. There is a caveat. Steve Jobs used words like amazing and great, but sparingly when he absolutely needed to. True. And in his defense, when he introduced, you know, either the iPhone or the iPod to the world, it was truly amazing. So, yeah. you know, and, and I think you're right. You know, what this article from Joel is reminding us is you've got to be careful about almost there's a mismatch between an amazing uh, burger, to use that, that example again. So if you were to come across something amazing like Artemis program, well, if you say amazing as well, you can't tell me that, you know, the achievement, scientific achievement and historical significance of the Artemis program is equate to what, you know, uh, you've just eaten for, for breakfast. It reminds me a bit of um, Stephen Fry, um, a famous British uh, author, comedian and um, content producer who was challenging the people using the term awesome uh, mm. a lot on social media. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's very active on social media saying, well, if your breakfast was um, awesome, what term will you use when you go to the Grand Canyon? Because <laughs> you, know, you can't have it both ways. And I think you're right. We need to reconnect with the true meaning of, of the adjectives. There's almost like a, a tier system. And if something is, is, is amazing, it's because you were uh, amazed and then go back to the definition of the term being amazed and kind of go, well, maybe that's not the case. But you're right, you know, in, in, in the in the world of trying to get someone's attention on social media or on occasion with either demanding headlines or poorly managed diaries, we're rushing through the copywriting or even the spoken word. We, we're just going to fall into the 10, 20 adjectives that, that we've learned by heart. Absolutely right. And again, I do find language absolutely fascinating. And I'm not going to apologize for something as simple as this. I think it's something that can really get everybody thinking. The next time you see something amazing, just stop yourself and decide how you can describe that in a little bit more detail. Not too much detail. We don't want to make it too complicated, but how can you keep it simple? Wow, Pascal, some great content there again and i know that i'm going to be spending quite a lot of the weekend trawling through that artemis website shall we move on and talk a little bit more about technology now and move into marketing tech and apps okay pascal what technological marvels have you got for us this week so this week is all to do with browsing the internet and being rewarded for it. And this came about uh, almost through, you know, my work as a trainer. I rediscovered recently, you may have seen it as well being shared on social media, perhaps you saw it at the time on the BBC TV channel, The Dragon's Den Show with Sam Jones, who was a winner of that kind of pitch uh, you know, um, competition with his solution Generate, the browser that can help you get earn points and points will make gifts. And the idea being that you take control of your data via the Generate browser and Chrome extension by essentially making sure that your visits are either anonymous or completely blocked. But if you choose to share your data, the brands who are gathering data 
on your traffic, your behavior, you know, your likes and dislikes, preferences, and so on. They are rewarding you back with, you know, in this case, the point. Now, the the pitch that Sam Jones uh, um, kind of presented to the to the to the dragons, dragons stand for international um, viewers and listeners, is that competition where entrepreneurs seek out investment from already very rich people, <laughs> and uh, the 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 presentation has been claimed to be one of the best pitch um, ever. So I saved the video for my training courses, and and we study it. You know, we, we explore the structure, we explore the storytelling. We explore the the way in which you will use proper adjectives for example and, and that kind of things but strangely I, I never got around to installing the generates is spelled Jenna and then number eight um, Chrome extension I thought well maybe it's about time that I do so and I will say um, it's very easy to use it really uh, fits in very very well and since I suppose like you through work and through the prep for two gigs of marketing podcast I go on countless number of websites in the space of a week I've accumulated 50 credits, which mm -hmm. I can then use to either donate to charity, I can use it as a money off uh, a purchase, I could also get you know some products on Amazon, some gift cards and so on. So I thought, I wonder if it's the only one, can't be, you know, but certainly this would be a very much a UK product generate if you want to not only take control of your privacy, but if you choose to be tracked by the brands that you like and trust, you get some rewards for it. I came across an international version, if you will, of Generate called Brave Browser. And it's a very, very interesting one. It does a similar job. The two differences, number one, you get recompensed, if you will, by your by allowing the advert to track you in um, cryptocurrency, which I thought was fascinating that they, they've chosen to go that way. But also what the platform will do, they will take out adverts that are of no relevance to you and replace them with adverts that about topics, brands, and subject matters that are of interest to you against your profile. So not only are you being rewarded by the advertising, but the adverts you see are exactly what is relevant to you. And I think to me that that's um, part and parcel of the message for this year with everything that's happening, as you know, with the search engines and social media, with data privacy and different nations looking at that is tech control, but hey, if you are um, a very relaxed internet browser as I am, also get rewarded. So you have a choice between Generate if you're UK based or Bray Browser if you are more of an international community. I remember that being on Dragon's Den. I'm sure it was one of those episodes where all five of them wanted a piece of the action, <laughs> right. and they were fighting, fighting to get to get uh, into into business with this guy. So this week, I haven't really got a theme for uh, for my marketing tech and apps. It's just a couple of things that uh, I, I came across. Now, I don't know about you, Pascal, but the company DGI, DJ, J, DJI, sorry is coming out with some of the most amazing tech over the last few years. I think they were originally known for creating drones, weren't mm, they? Right. Uh, but I've bought and used very successfully for my vlogs the, the DJI um, Pocket 2 tiny little camera, which has a mini gimbal on it that will follow you around. And that particular camera also has a remote microphone and i've been astonished by the quality of that remote microphone and it's good for quite a sizable distance you know you can you can talk about 
between 50 to 100 feet and it still manages to uh, transmit the data i recently noticed that dji have launched their own dedicated remote microphone for creators so obviously this one can be used with any camera with any device mobile phone whatever it is if you've got the right connectors and of course it's going to be a direct competitor to the very famous road mic equivalent which we have reviewed here on two geeks and marketing podcast but i watched the video of this dji mic and it's incredible pascal i mean it's first of all it's in, it's in, extremely small it, it's effectively the same as the one that i got with the uh, pocket 2 camera with a few extra little um, uh, bells and whistles added onto it so it's really small and even the transmitter that you have to attach to your camera or to your um, phone or whatever is particularly small as well it's an absolutely gorgeous piece of kit but the thing that blew me away is that just in case um, you need to go a little bit further each of the individual microphone bits that you can put on your lapel or stick on your clothes or whatever has its own storage and you can record 11 gigabytes of audio into each of the um, lapel mics in addition to the storage that there is in the in the main transmitter and receiver 11 gigabytes i mean that's a lot of audio i mean okay if it was video you're recording that's perhaps not as much but audio that is a staggering amount of of, uh, of storage so the dji mic looks extremely interesting and the price point is about just shy of 300 quid so i don't think it's too expensive either for the sort of quality you're getting the second thing totally unrelated a few weeks ago i talked about powerpoint cameo and this is where you can insert your own live feed of yourself and the and what's on your camera into a presentation as you're doing it in the same way as you might insert some text or your same way as you might insert a shape or something like that and again this is something that apple did with their keynote software quite a while ago and we've all been waiting for powerpoint to catch up now it was launched about three to six months ago but they only made it available to certain people as these tech companies often do but now powerpoint cameo is available for everybody so i've been messing around with it all week pascal <laughs> Uh, it's easy to use it genuinely is simple as inserting text or a shape or something like that however i don't think in it's actually as good yet as the keynote alternative from apple because it was doing some really weird things so example i i, I inserted a, a circle which my face appeared in captured on the webcam and when i actually tried to do that presentation it then went and inserted a square of me talking into every slide in the presentation and that's not what i wanted it to do and i can't work out how to stop it doing that i'll, I'll probably have to google it or, or or find somebody on youtube has come across the same problem and knows how to fix it and at the moment cameo only works on the desktop browser version of powerpoint it doesn't work on the uh, mobile app and the iPad app and, and the tablet app. And I suspect that a lot of people who do presentations where they want to use this live video are going to be using their mobiles and tablets. So I think that PowerPoint, Microsoft need to catch up. So I'm absolutely delighted that it's there. I've been enjoying having a mess around with it, but I think they do need to continue to uh, update it, make it a little bit more user-friendly 
in order to compete with the Apple alternative. Smashing. Thanks for the update on, on Cameo because I wasn't aware of that. I mean, I suppose like you many weeks ago, I went, oh, I'll have to be patient and wait a bit longer. But I have to tell you, you know, that DJI news about the microphone, two things. The price point is equivalent to the road equivalent, so that's yeah, absolutely yeah. fine. But the fact that you have a backup recording, yeah. for many people listening, you know, who have, like you and I, lost the audio for due to something, to have a second recording just in case is just brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely astonishing. And, and again, eight gigabytes, I've no idea how much that is in audio. It must be hours and hours and hours. So you, you, you're absolutely protected because you're never going to be able to use all of that space. Some fantastic tech as always, Pascal. But now we need to set the controls of the TARDIS, fire up the flux capacitor because we're going to go back in time. And as we know, back in time is where a lot of the ideas for the technology that we use every day started. So let's go back to this week in history. And in 1927, the first fully electronic television system is invented by Philo Farnsworth using the image dissector camera tube. His inspiration for scanning an image as a series of lines came to him as a young boy whilst observing the back and forth motion used to plough field. In 1966, the first episode of Star Trek was broadcast, created by Jane, Gene Rodenberry and set in the 23rd century. The original Star Trek follows the adventures of the starship Enterprise and Captain James T. Kirk, first officer Mr. Spock and chief medical officer Leonard McCoy. Wow, well in 1976, so 10 years later, Jim Henson Muppet Show premieres on the British Channel ATV with Maya Farrow as the first guest star. The TV series ran until 23rd of May 19. 1981 with a total of 120 episodes over the course of five seasons. In 2008, the high-resolution Earth observation satellite GOI-1 is launched from Vandenberg Air Force Base. Owned by the corporation GOI Inc., GOI-1 can take high-resolution images with a detail down to 16 inches. But we're not going to talk about telescopes, and we've almost talked about rockets already today we're going to talk about muppets and we're not going to talk about the muppets that are running the country or they're running the world we're going to talk about the original actual muppets like kermit the frog and miss piggy and link hogthrob and pigs in space uh, i mean it's just an incredible contribution to to television, to cinema, to popular culture. This was the ultimate family experience. I mean, it used to be shown on the Sunday early afternoon in France, and we just couldn't wait. We just finished our Sunday lunch. We just rushed into the living room with my parents, and you would laugh and laugh and laugh, and but also be completely amazed, and I'm using the adjective correctly in this occasion, by you know the, the 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 art direction and 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 the set design and the way in which the guest stars some of them were really high profile celebrities the guest star would just play along with all the the, the muppets and they were lifelike and they were just incredible but for me the story that i want to kind of point out as i mentioned this was premiered on a british channel ATV, which I think over time became ITV and, and so on. And the reason why people could be surprised, right on Jim Henson is not from, from the, the UK. No, he's not. He tried to get um, his show and the concept of the Muppets picked up by US TV channels, and he was turned down over and over again. And only, I would say, the UK accepted it. And I just want to point that out to you, Roger, because A, it's about not giving up. It's about looking at alternative options, but also, can I just for one moment stop and 
you know, acknowledge the contribution of the UK to the world of cinema and TV. Yeah, and a supplementary story to that. I can remember when The Muppet Show first started to be broadcast. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It was a British production on ATV. But quite a lot of the guests that they had on were American. That's right people and i remember at the time you know the kermit used to come on the it's the muppet <laughs> show and this week's special guest is ruth buzzy and my dad's sitting there saying who the bloody hell is <laughs> ruth buzzy yeah. and of course yes jim henson got the uk production off the ground but he was absolutely sensible enough to put american stars into it so that when eventually it started to become popular back in america then obviously it would appeal to both markets. But I always remember that, my dad saying, who the <laughs> bloody hell is Ruth Buzzy? <laughs> Pascal, we always say this, but I think it bears repeating. We owe such a massive debt to the people in the past that have given us what we have here in the present. So let's come back to the present and let's shout out some of our favorite creators. Okay, Pascal, who are you going to talk about this week? Oh, I am so pleased to give Tracy Childers a shout out this week. Now, Tracy Childers is the co-founder and former CEO of Wishlist Member. This is a software for WordPress websites that can essentially help you run membership-like experiences. And he's been doing this since 2008 and he's um, now launched his own podcast show with his colleagues called the Membership and Courses Podcast. Now, a bit of background for you and viewers and listeners. Tracy Childers was um, good enough to be a guest on my content marketing studio spin-off series, Battle of the Apps, to present actually wishlist members as a product. But during the course of our conversation, we realized that we had a lot in common about our views about the internet and the evolution of technology and so on. But also, I hope you want me saying but it of ease of our generation roger so he has seen and he has participated uh, to the evolution of the internet from the 80s and 90s and is understanding um reached a point where it's almost a, a quite philosophical about how you can really run a successful business using the internet. He was an amazing guest and to find out recently that he's also now become the host and co-producer of the Membership and Courses podcast. I am so delighted because I want you and many others to listen to what he has to say but also to um, what his guests have to say. One thing that I really, really um, am pleased about is the vast, vast, vast majority, if not all of his guests, are again experienced people. We're talking decades of experience like you and I have. And, and, and to me, that, that's reassuring because with respect, somebody who's been running, let's say, um, you know, webinars for 30 years, I'm sure I've got a, a few things to share compared to someone who's been doing it for 30 minutes. And I mean nothing in terms of younger you know, participants in the world of the internet and e-learning, but you know, you'd want to have the experience. He's even been able to talk to somebody who's been working in and around and you know, running online courses since the 80s. Someone who used to be a one-to-one -one consultant who's now running and supporting hundreds of membership websites. So the, the, the wealth of knowledge and experience that he's able to tap into because of his network, but also himself being such a um, experienced participant makes me, as you can tell, very, very excited. Once again, he was an amazing guest. We, we spoke so much about the, the 
the way in which an internet is, has evolved over time and, and one has to do to get successes. And to discover that it's finally launched is on podcast on the 1st of July makes me very happy indeed. And earlier in the show, Pascal, we talked about those Andrex puppies, and I used it as an example of how it's actually okay to stick with a marketing campaign for a long time if it works. And one of the problems that marketing people like us have is that because we were involved in the creation of that campaign, we often get bored of it very, very quickly and want to move on to the next thing. And history has shown that sometimes brilliant marketing campaigns have been killed simply because the people in the companies wanted to move on to something else when it was actually working perfectly fine. And sometimes you have to know when not to change. Now, that can apply to business strategy in the same way as it can apply to a marketing campaign, indeed any form of, of business practice. And Chris Fox, who I have given a shout out to on the show before, runs this website, it's called Strategic Coffee. Wow, a bit of strategy and a bit of co coffee, what a combination. But his latest article actually examines this whole thing. When is it time to give up? and change your strategy. Because again, companies will spend a lot of money putting a strategy together, but these days we want things to happen straight away, don't we? We want that instant gratification. And sometimes you'll put all this work into a strategy, six months later, one of the C-suite will say, well, that strategy isn't working, we haven't grown to this, we haven't expanded our market to that, we need to change the strategy. And actually you probably don't because it was a long-term strategy and you need to stick with it. But what Chris does in this article is actually tells you what are the things you need to look at to actually make you decide that it maybe is time to look at changing the strategy. And usually it's because some of the, you know, the strategic landscape has actually changed as opposed to you getting it wrong in the first place. So it's a really good read. It's not a long article, but it's got a lot in it. So I'll check the list. I'll put the, the uh, URL in the show notes. It's Chris Fox, Strategic Coffee, and it's all about how to know when it's time to change your strategy. Smashing. And you know what, what is lovely about this week's selection? It's back to this idea of, yeah, I'm going to go back to seniority and experience. And for all our viewers and listeners who are building the business or building a campaign or look even to, to recruit, you've got to understand that the marketing discipline is one that is successful over time. It is born out of experience. You've mm. got to have paid your, your dues. And I think to, to a point, it's probably you know the running thread of Two Gigs and Mountain podcast, which is this is our platform, or one of many platforms you and I are, are choosing to use to share an experience that started you know decades ago. And there is value in that. Well, Pascal, it's time for film marketing. Before we dive in, let's just be clear, you and I still haven't seen The Rings of Power. It's actually being launched today, I think. So tonight, we'll be able to sit down and watch the first episode. But we've already reviewed the first part of the marketing campaign about six months ago. And today, we want to talk about what they've been doing in the lead up to today's launch. So let's head into the film marketing section of the show. Well, Pascal. Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Let's have a look at the trailer that was released on the 14th of July. And this is one of the main trailers for the series that gets launched today. Let's have a look. There was a time when the world was so young. There had not yet been a sunrise, a 
even then, there was light. Come to me, come to me, lands far away. Elves have forests to protect. Dwarfs their mines. Mend their fields of grain. But we Harfoots have each other. For I must now wander this We're safe. You have fought long enough, Galadriel. Put up your sword. The enemy is still out there. The question now is where? It is over. You have not seen what I have seen. I have seen my share. You have not seen... ...what I have seen. Darkness will march over the face of the Earth. It will be the end, not just of our people, but all peoples. I am sorry, but their time has come. The past is with us all. The past is dead. We either move forward, or we die with it. Be the beginning of a new era. Away I must wander this wandering day. We said earlier we aren't to use words like amazing and great and wow, but you sort of have to, don't you? Oh, I mean, everything is right. The music, the, the way it looks, the way it sounds. Um, and I'm absolutely convinced because you've got to give them the, the fact that they know what they are doing, that this is barely the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be so many surprises and twists and turns and, and new characters and new locations that we've not seen. Um, no wonder it is, you know, the cinematic event of all times, even though it is straight to TV via Amazon Prime. I mean, the visuals, just from the trailer, look pretty much better than anything we've seen on <laughs> film or TV ever. No, absolutely. So you mentioned that we reviewed part one of the campaign. This is what we are calling it, of course. Mm -hmm. That took us to the to the sixteenth of February, twenty twenty two, where at the time they had released a teaser trailer yep. after revealing the the name of of, of the series. So, and we, we looked at him what they've done with the uh, the teaser posters, what they've done with engaging the fans with a, a bit of um, mystery shopping around the different channels and so on. So, looking at again primarily the um, activities on on Facebook and, and Instagram, there was a bit of a lull and then they picked things up again on the 19th of April. So, you know, mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. a big gap between that. I mean, they, they had a quick nod to the uh, Tolkien reading day, but really, really does. But in terms of the marketing of the series, there was this single social media post that frankly, many could have missed 
because it, it was so quiet between that, uh, the, between February and, and April. And it was about two characters, Theo and Brannon. And Theo was introduced by holding that broken, kind of um, nasty looking sword. And we had obviously the, um, the picture of, of his mother. And then that was it. And his my claim today you've heard it first on two gigs and mountain podcast i think that this is actually on purpose these are going to be very very important characters despite the fact that the trailers and everything else is focusing on galadriel and, and elrond and so on i think theo and brian are going to be very very important there was just a little throwaway post on the 19th of april and included into that, they introduced obviously their official hashtag Rings of Power because during part one, we didn't know the name of the series, so they couldn't use Rings of Power. They're using mm. things like, you know, hashtag LOTR uh, on Prime and all sort of uh, synonym to the same one. But hashtag Rings of Power was also introduced for the first time on the 19th of April. Then nothing really until the 1st of June. And this is almost like the final act of the marketing <laughs> campaign because we knew by then that the 2nd of September was, was the day of the global release. Yeah, and there was a lot of covers of magazines <laughs> came out around that time. Uh, Empire's world exclusive Lord of the Rings has three collectible covers. Uh, one of them's got Galadriel on the front. Now, I remember from part one when we talked about it that one of the things that impressed me a lot were those almost like individual um, photographs of each of the characters. Now, it, in some respects, you didn't even get a full glimpse of the character. It might have been a, a, a sword or, a, or a, a gloved hand or something like that. And I love the way that they've carried on that sort of imagery with the... With the uh, covers of magazines like this and what they're tweeting out absolutely and what was interesting about the kind of june july ish period it was it was almost like the keyword or or the kind of uh, the accepted campaign was all about exclusivity so they would partner with empire and as you described doing some exclusive collectible covers you had up to four they would partner with ign for example and give them exclusive photos of the mm, orc they mm. would partner up with um collider um fandom you know nerdist got some exclusive photos of um, gal galad and and we were back to what they did with you know the post that you mentioned where you you had to seek out across different platforms to essentially have the whole collection if you will of of images and and then you could play the game of indeed matching the um the phase one teaser campaign of just a hand holding a sword or just a hand holding an apple and of course the full photo of the individual yeah and you know again i keep coming back to some of the uh, the sort of the content rules that have automatically been um almost a impressed upon us by the marketing gurus out there you know everybody says video you've got to use video in your um content blah 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 and a lot of people we know they get really stressed out i don't want to do video but it's a campaign like this pascal that shows you that you don't actually have to do video all the time okay they're promoting a video a film series but some of these photographs some of these graphics are absolutely gorgeous and I don't think we should be afraid to use static images and photographs if we can make them absolutely part of the overall campaign. Let, let's try and move away from this video or nothing ethos that we seem to have these days, because some of these images and some of these graphics are absolutely gorgeous. 
Yeah, and I'm absolutely convinced that there will be, um, you know, fans running websites and, and other platforms who've taken the trouble to gather this this collection. There just may be one small criticism that I would say is that there isn't that, that hub and there isn't that central destination for a fan to be able to see all of it because this is crying out for a future uh, book, you know, coffee table book of, of the art of rings of power because the photography are just uh, amazing. So you reminded us, of course, that um, the, cam the teaser campaign, the teaser posters where all the characters were being revealed, but this idea of you just saw the hand, they were holding an object, you could see a bit of the costume they were wearing. So that was February. Then come July, then the full character is revealed. So on purpose, for the purpose of our show notes, you know, I'll show you again that kind of very menacing kind of spite, you know, metal glove hand holding the sword. And we assume, and probably we now know, that it will be a Sauron. And then now we have a picture of the actor playing Sauron uh, in full view. And on the subject of, therefore, the, the teaser came with the character then, so each character now has that teaser photo of just a hand and the object. Then they have the full still photography. And then they've started doing some short videos introducing the characters. So, yeah, you have a full set in terms of, you know, whether it's Elrond, whether it's Galadriel and all the others. And I'm absolutely convinced that those little kind of one-minute short videos about the the character to supplement the static posters will continue to be published throughout the series yeah and again it, it just reinforces what i've just said there all sorts of content can form part of this overall campaign so gorgeous images and yep video as well but let's just not get overly um, obsessed with the video bits what was interesting about the um, the posters, they went for all the sizes. You had the vertical stroke um, portrait, you had the squares, and you had the, the landscape. One thing I will say that they, some of them look like they are designed differently. You know, um, some of them, they, they look like they don't quite belong to the same family. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you could argue that they're breaking almost another rule. And maybe that's the difference between a TV series and, and cinema. Mm. One could say, there's far too many posters. <laughs> now, where is the one key art, the one poster that's going to basically drive the campaign? And, and maybe that's where TV series can do what TV series can do very differently. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, I suppose if this was a film, and thinking back now to earlier reviews of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I guess it would have focused more on an ex you know a, a one poster. But I think mm. it is the fact that it's a television series, and then they're not allowing you to watch all of these episodes in a binge, are they? They're no. release. I think they're releasing two in initially, and then each week for the remainder of the series. So effectively you've got that longer period where I, I guess the multi-images the different characters because that's the it's a character-based um show after all i think that that gives them that space they need to spread it out over a bit of a longer period mm. so we've spoken about the the, the images on you know, the posters that have been distributed online uh, they do exist as well as uh, printed um, kind of items and they were um, gifted to the people who attended the san diego comic-con uh, event so you know very jealous because we missed out on, on all of that and you can see during the premieres online people have got their posters and signed by the different actors but when it comes to trailers 
very much like you know with the posters one could say my goodness there are a lot of trailers here you know which one am i meant to to pay attention to so once again after the the reveal of the teaser trailer in february we then move into the 8th of july so quite a few months have passed with what they call the prime video sneak peek and what is it called like this well because whilst it was released on the 8th of july um on youtube i would argue and other network if you were a amazon prime subscriber you could watch the sneak peek two days before anybody else and and frankly that was funny because people were almost showing off and <laughs> youtubers and bloggers would then try and describe what it seemed to people and and comment on it as well so there was a bit of a race to who saw it first which i thought was was very um uh, interesting and then the 14th of july was the real teaser the main teaser that we'd listened to and watched um together again what was interesting about that main teaser um, in terms of the way they crafted it, as far as I'm concerned, I was transported back into Middle Earth, the music, the, um, the voiceover, the, the different race, the landscapes and so on. I, I mean, I, I thought they absolutely nailed it. They are definitely um, keeping within what I would say is the spirit of the trilogy movies, aren't they? Or I suppose it's more than the trilogy Lord of the Rings. I think there's the Hobbit trilogy as well, I guess. But they're very much making it recognisable so that if you've seen any of those films over the last 20 years, this is going to feel like it's quite comfortable, isn't it? Mm. And now, surprisingly, what I mean by this, Roger, from a, from a timeline and you know date point of view, this was the 14th of July, and I watched it, you know, as as you have four or five times, and absolutely loving it. But a week later, on the 22nd of July, they released what they called the San Diego Comic Con trailer. This was a three-minute um, trailer, very different in terms of tonality, new scenes as well that we've not seen. But this one was focused on the story the arc and confirming what people have been speculating for months <laughs> including you and i that indeed it is about the rising threat of sauron and shocking audiences around the world with the kind of post-credit surprise of the balrog yeah and and again i suppose the story is the last unknown isn't it mm. because we're all very familiar with lord of the rings we're all very familiar with the hobbit and know that the story that they're going to be telling is probably contained in the very very large appendices that were in the lord of the rings books but let's face it i don't think anybody other than the utter geeks like us will have read those parts <laughs> of the book so i think the story is going to be almost like the the, the big reveal isn't it yeah, no. So, so I, I can appreciate, you know, in a way, you, you, you could say I watched the main teaser, which is taking me back into Middle Earth. I watched the San Diego Comic Con trailer to be told about the, the story and, and um, essentially the, the threat that is going there. And then from a video point of view, the, there's more for fans um, and people who are curious about the series to get into. So, of course, during the San Diego Comic Con, the cast and crew had their Q&A that was live streamed on the official YouTube channel. And uh, there's quite a few to go there. But they did do a featurette um, called Stories from the Legendarium. And this was looking at Galadriel in particular and the arc of... Um, not her character, but had a wonderful, wonderful strapline. Every good quest needs a fellowship. Yes. 
they then moved on to um so from the feature which was um the third of august so soon after you know san diego you kind of think okay um what's next and then suddenly out of again uh, much surprise they released what they call the official trailer as if we didn't have enough as it is <laughs> 23rd of august and this is a trailer that had people thinking mm, i'm not sure about it but here's the point by the time we get to you know past san diego comic-con um the fans have been well looked after they've got more posters that they could have wall space to to kind of use they have empty trailers they've got all the coverage from the media from print to to radio and i think for me that the film producer thought it is time to go after the final audience those who are not fans mm. of Lord of the Rings, those perhaps who have not seen the original work by Peter Jackson, by creating what I'm going to call a more universal trailer with a modern um, song track, mm -hmm. and and also just you know doing a very very something very different with the um, the structure of the trailer. No, I think this is very important, and the fact they've added in a recognisable song is mm. very important because that 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 does link it to the present doesn't it i think one of the issues with a series like this and, and you could argue the same with game of thrones i guess as well is that a lot of people see it as some sort of medieval type of film or tv series and, and let's face it it's a genre that some people don't like but i think you can you can almost um sweeten the pill a bit can't you by grounding it in the present and using music as one way of doing that yeah, and and listen, um, I much much prefer. I'm, I'm guessing you would as well, and all the fans. I much much prefer the main tease or even the San Diego yeah. Comic Con trailer. But from a marketing point of view, you've done your homework. You've broken down the audiences into different groups, and you address them differently. That's just the job. That's that's proper marketing, isn't it? This is my customer. This is what my customer yeah. wants to hear. I give the customer the content that meets that need. Talking of, um, you know, that's the job and, and the marketing and so on, uh, soon after the release of the uh, official trailer, and I think maybe the issues around the naming of official trailer, because they've done so many, uh, which one is the official one, they did something really interesting from an editing point of view, which I thought could be a lesson or even an example to follow. They've played with the vertical layout of videos mm. and they've repurposed the reaction from those who had the pleasure of attending the premieres. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying the pleasure only because I'm very jealous, of course, <laughs> and I didn't get the invitation. So they did some very interesting thing with the vertical layout where they were splitting literally the, um, the areas into three or four, um, you know, kind of uh, screens and using it by printing different images, different videos, but also positioning the feedback of, of the audience. And I've, I think I've seen this used only the once, but I've got a feeling that it's gonna be emulated more and more by other um, brands, as well as the filmmakers themselves. Yeah, absolutely right, absolutely right. And what about the music? Oh, well, listen, um, <laughs> people wanted, um, of course, they wanted Howard Shaw to come back and he did provide some of the work for the marketing. But for, for the series, we have Bear McCreary. So people who play video games, people who are into the world of fantasy will know the name very, very well. Um, if you're not sure about who Bear McCreary is, well, you're in luck because as part of the marketing, the soundtrack of rings of power all 39 tracks are available for free on amazon music and um, actually we'll put the uh, the link in the show notes as well 
Yeah, now, Pascal, I'm, I just wonder, I just wonder, the amount of marketing that's gone into this is phenomenal. Mm. And obviously, it's one of the, it is the most expensive TV show ever made. The expectations that this is creating, this marketing campaign, and all the different trailers, all the visuals, and 39 tracks on Amazon Music, can this show possibly live up to the hype that they've created with all of this content? I my position is actually Rogers that the hype began the moment they announced they had the rights for for the film. <laughs> so we're going back to 2018. Yes, uh, you know, and and I think what they have done, and this is the way of which I've experienced it and we have felt it. What they have done is that they have celebrated um, the the luck of having the rights to do this work, and they wanted the the fans and the newer fans to be part of it. Mm. And what they've also shown is that there are territories and there are marketing techniques that are maybe unique to the world of television that a, um, you know, a, a cinema feature would not be able to do. And that to me has been the way I've done. So I don't think they've actually, I don't think the marketing um, equate the hype. The hype was the moment they announced with that press release that we discussed as part of part one that they had the rights and what they've done superbly in say, can we actually um, almost extend, you know, how joyful this is to go back to Middle Earth and we're going to give you lots of content to get your teeth into. Yeah. And let's face it, they do want to create a wider <laughs> audience by getting people who don't really know. Tolkien's work and probably haven't seen the six films that have gone by but it, this is a fan celebration isn't it and a lot of it is geared towards people like you and me the geeks the people who've grown up on this stuff and love this stuff but they've had a bit of fun with the fans as well haven't they Pascal Oh yes, I mean, so to begin with, they would say they would do little nods, like they would do like a, almost like a mini documentary, uh, a series they called Stories of the Second Age, where they would say, "Here's the Kingdom of Linden," or "Here's Khazad Doom," and so on. And what is interesting is we and I know it by heart. I mean, we, we joked that we know the geography, our geography of Middle Earth is better than where we live, you know, in the real world. But this idea of creating almost like a visual encyclopedia that you can share share with others. Um, I mean, for me, it, where I thought, you know what, they are really, really looking after the, the fans when they managed to organize free screenings of the first two episodes at selected cinemas around the world. That was um, 31st of August. But they knew that nobody could, could make it. So what did they do instead? Well, they were doing things like um, a competition in partnership with um, Adobe Express, which interestingly, you mentioned only uh, a few weeks ago as part of um, marketing tech and apps. So what they've done with some um, kind of graphic artists, they have created series of templates that you can go in to essentially create your own invitation to your Rings of Power watch party. If you're a podcaster, if you're a blogger, if you're a vlogger, you can actually create some uh, channel art or even you know kind of episode um, art with Adobe Express using those templates. And yes, Roger, I had a good play a few days ago, <laughs> and they are exquisite. They also obviously um, invited people to submit their fan art using the hashtag the Rings of Power. 
and they have created a, a video series called The Forge, probably in you know a little nod to the dwarves of Khazad Doom. And every week there is a montage, kind of almost a time lapse of people who have sent their artwork, and you and I, many others, can obviously um, enjoy it. People who have been preparing the watch parties and people who have been getting dressed as hobbits, elves, dwarves and humans and so on have sent their pictures to the Lord of the Rings on Prime official channel using the hashtag and they're getting a shout out from the official channel. That makes, makes, makes you feel very good. And of course, if you've chosen to dress as a hobbit, you're going to get some food and they've partnered up with Marcus Cooks, this yeah. is his um, Instagram account, who has put together some special recipes, a taste of Middle Earth. No, I, I love this. It's so interactive, isn't it? It's so inclusive. What will your watch party look like? And, well, if you're going to dress like a hobbit, you're going to need some food. It is so interactive and inclusive, and it's just generating so much excitement. And, of course, tonight, Pascal... Yeah. We will be sitting down and we will be watching the first episode of The Rings of Power. And I cannot be more excited than I oh, am now. Honestly. <laughs> and having done the research for, for the marketing campaign, what we're going to call part two, these are our words, by the way, not the official line from the, um, Amazon Prime and so on. This is my conclusion, as I mentioned a moment ago. They, they have looked at a way to celebrate you know the success commercial success of securing the right the ability to have the financing to produce something that would be of high high quality for saying can we have you participate in the lead up and they're also going to continue if you like the celebration because much to my surprise because most brands don't do that and you know, most producers don't do that they're going to organize a regular reddit talk where people be able to talk to the, the producers and people be behind obviously the, the series um via the um the the, the reddit uh, channel that they've created most people will let that job forgive me to to the bloggers of your um, and people like you and i but they've taken the initiative to allow people to, to have a chat with them as well, which I think is brilliant. Wow, what a lot of marketing has gone into this. It is mm. genuinely a masterclass in content marketing, isn't it? <laughs> and obviously, they've got the budget. They need to spend this sort of money. But it really is. It will be looked back on in the future as a template for how to do a campaign for a film oblique tv series wow pascal and I'm, and I'm sure we could continue to talk about this for another half an hour but i think we do need to try and wrap things up so as we've said we're going to be watching the first episode of rings of power later on no doubt we'll mention in the next episode what we think of it uh, and we'd love to know what you think of lord of the rings rings of power leave us a comment on the video look for us on Twitter and of course Pascal people can speak to us on something called SpeakPipe can't they? Yes they can leave a voice message with suggestions recommendations for all the different segments of the show you go on speakpipe.com forward slash two geeks and a marketing podcast. Fantastic thank you everybody for watching the show thank you everybody for listening to the show until the next episode please go out there and make sure that your marketing is done correctly. I was Roger Edwards and he was Pascal Fintoni.